Good evening, folks. So tonight we are gathered here to kind of talk a little bit more about the CCIs. But before we begin, I'd like to give a shout out to all the Patreon subscribers who support this work monetarily and make it possible for us to continue giving you live streams. Thank you so much. I'd like to give a shout out to all the listeners who always ask the best questions and all the listeners who also just listen. Like, you know, it's important for people to be having these conversations openly and authentically and hear from people who have experienced it. So with that being said, let's talk to Liz. Hey everyone. How are you doing tonight, Liz? Not good. What about you? I'm pretty good. I just got home from work. Um, it's been a. <laughs> We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> All I'm thinking is just thank God it's Friday. <laughs> right? Like, oh my goodness. Like, I really needed it to be Friday today. Hey, yeah. Billy. Thank you so much for tuning in and catching this. Um, yeah. So after our last live, I was like, I don't think I asked you this, but were you a church member when you became a school teacher? Like, yes. were you baptized? Yes. So you were baptized. Okay. So I am aware that there are cases where um, Amish school teachers are not baptized. So just be aware of that. Hey, Lori. Hey, Jacob. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in. So anyways, I mean, do, where do you want to start? What um, do you want to talk about first? How about I talk about the history of CCI? Shall we start there? Be my guest. All right. So I do know that the CCI specifically started the CCI chairman. Um, he actually set up this whole thing with the Harrisburg court or, or whatever it was. Um, he was really passionate about all the victims, especially the young kids, uh, the school kids. Um, he wanted to, yeah, just make sure that they're in a safe place, that everything is being taken care of legally. So to be honest with you, that was set up in a legal way. I don't know how much training they had. Um, or even anybody on the CCI board, I'm not. Like, how do they select people to be a part of the CCI? Like, is it, how, how does that happen? Are they required to do training? Do we know that? I'm not sure about that, to be honest with you. Right. Like, so how, yeah, it's just, I have more questions now. Mm -hmm. I have questions too, but I don't really have access to get those questions. Like I don't really know where uh, to, to get them answered. Yes. Well, see, like it's my understanding from like the the little booklet that I have about the CCIs. By the way, wherever it is, I have a little booklet about them um, that talks of not even just CCIs, but like the the restoration teams and the other teams that exist for this purpose, right? Yes. And and they were started originally, it's my understanding, they were started originally by the Old Order Mennonites. That was the original ones, right? Mm -hmm. And then 
some Amish people also really were passionate about trying to find yeah. support and help for the survivors of crimes, right? Yes. And then they went ahead and modeled it after the Old Order Mennonite CCIs. Like for, for like all intents and purposes, they can have all kinds of different names. But it's typically, we're, we're going to use the term like CCIs or committees or whatever. It's a group of men who yes. are assigned. And what we need to know is, one, how are they assigned? How are they chosen for that role? Two, what type of training do they have? And three, um, does the ministry have oversight of the CCIs? Um, they do now. They did not back then when it was set up. Back then it was, you know, the ministry was not involved. It was just the chairman and like a group of men that got together. They also had a group of school teachers alone or with them as they were setting this up is what I was told. And one of those school teachers actually did a topic at a teacher's class about it right after they set it up. So that, I don't know how many years ago that was, but they haven't ever had a school teacher do one of those topics when I was involved as a teacher. And wow. yeah, with the ministry being involved now, um, the CCI chairman really has his hands tied with how much he can report because the bishop's got to hold it. So are you, are you telling me that originally the ministry did not have oversight? The bishop had no control over whether or not they called the child line, right? No, I did not. Okay. To be honest with you, I don't even know how the ministry got involved. But now somehow the, the bishop and the ministry will tell the CCI if they're allowed to report to child line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, that's the part that upsets me because I'm like, but these are victims. These are little kids who deserve to have justice, who deserve to have a good life. Right. They deserve to have access to resources, yeah. support, um, you know, trauma-informed care when they've experienced traumatic events. Like. Yeah. There's, there's just so much, so, so much. Yes, there is. And so, um, one of the, one of our listeners asks, do you know which year the head chairman set up the CCIs? I do not. I don't know either. Um, and then there's another comment that's kind of big. Mennonite school teachers sometimes are fired for just not being a member of the right congregation that they are teaching at. Wow. So let's show it. Yeah. Ministry being involved means that by law, the minister must be calling a, a child line number, correct, Mary? Well, that depends on the state, Ruthann. So, like in the state of Pennsylvania, I believe um, Sasha is listening. If Sasha could answer that question, I would greatly appreciate it. 
Um, but in the state of Pennsylvania, it's going to depend on the state's laws on mandated reporting. If ministry is required, if they are looked at as a mandated reporter, then they are required to report any suspected child abuse. There's no if it happened once, if it happened twice. There's no distinction between whether it happened one time or it happened three times. If they suspect any kind of child abuse, they're supposed to report it. Yes, they are. Um, Sasha says, I'm having trouble with the video feed. I mean, is ministry, do, do you know if ministry is mandated to report in the state of Pennsylvania? Not that I'm aware of, but I do know there have been, it was either a bishop or a minister that had been arrested because he was aware of a it's either like a sexual abuse or rape case, whatever. And he did not want them to go to the cops about it. So he was arrested himself as well for not reporting it. Okay. So, so they, not, so they are, if, but if, if he wasn't a mandated reporter, then they should, they wouldn't have been able to arrest him for failing to report. I guess not. I don't know if they need to legally sign That's, papers for that or, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, you like, for example, like when, um, like I hold a position where I'm like a mandated reporter, right? Yeah. So, so I don't have to sign paperwork saying that I'm a mandated reporter. Okay. okay. Like if I hold a position where I'm a mandated reporter per state law, then I'm, I'm a mandated reporter. If I suspect that child abuse is happening, I'm required to report it okay. to the appropriate civil authorities. Mm -hmm. So to recap, they've been around for about approximately, like, do you know what years it started that the CCI started in like your community? I do not. It's been quite a few years. Definitely. Quite a few years. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you left like over three years ago. So it's definitely been longer. Just about three years. So it would have been six years ago that I was involved with it. Oh, gotcha. So yeah, at least I first got involved with. Right. So so at least for six years that you know of that the CCIs have been in your community. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Wow. Just wow. So here's another comment. It concerns me that males are in the CCI. And according to a Mennonite preacher, I heard speak, he chooses CCI members that are not ministers so that they aren't in, they aren't mandated reporters in Ohio. Preachers are mandated reporters. Wow. You know, here's the thing. Yeah. I just want to put this out there in my opinion, and you can feel free to disagree with me on this if you disagree, but I feel like it's important to have these conversations when you have people who originally, they had a good idea of like, hey, let's help these people being able to report abuse, right? Like sounds yeah. like a great idea. Um, and, and they don't have that um, bishop oversight necessarily, and they're not necessarily an ordained minister or somebody who is automatically considered a mandated reporter however comma paused when it becomes concerning to me is is like churches are free to have these committees you can have these committees yeah. all you want 
But at the end of the day, how can anyone who is supposed to be, because by law, typically people that are involved with anything with children are typically considered to be mandated reporters. Like if you work in daycare and you suspect child abuse and you don't report it, you're going to get in trouble. Yes. You're, you're going to be on the line. Yes. So they can have these committees until they're blue in the face. They can have these committees. That's fine. You can have committees for, per, first off, I would suggest considering having committees for abusers and a separate committee for a survivor, like not even, don't even call it the same things. Like, you know, because they shouldn't be handling both of the people in the first place. Just no. my humble opinion here. Okay. Second off, you are absolutely allowed to have that, but you are not allowed to sit there and be somebody involved in childcare or in a ministerial position or in any form of what they, the, the law says is a mandated reporter and not report any suspected abuse. Yeah, I agree with that. So, oh my. Oh, oh, here is Sasha saying, how can you have any person on a committee involving child abuse that's not a mandated reporter? That's a really good question. I appreciate that. Thank you. And Rachel Martin says, I think there was a panel at the conference in Leola where they discussed how the CCIs began. I remember the judge talking about it. Right. And, and I don't care that they have the CCIs. I really don't care. I just want them to not be, um, you know, creating further trauma for survivors. Yes. That's, that's personally my opinion. Don't create more trauma for survivors. Rules I for don't, I don't oh. think like the CCI chairman is creating more trauma for them. It's more he's frustrated because he can't report this stuff because the bishops don't want him to. As much as he wants to, he can't. And I guess he just... So where would you say? I don't. I don't know why he just doesn't. So where would you say that the creation of more, like you know, lack of access to appropriate resources and you know even reporting, which is yeah. the law, like where do you say that that comes from? Because to my understanding, what I'm hearing is that it's coming from the ministry, the bishop. Yeah. And I feel like. His thing is, he's not reporting it out of fear. There's so much stuff not being done in the Amish culture or any religious culture of some kind is because of fear. Like the fear of now being shunned because you did something that in the, okay. church, in the church's eyes you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Let me read this comment real quick okay. and then ask me about... Um, the consequences. So rules for who has to report and where to report vary by states. Each of us need to learn our own state laws. That is correct. Yes. Six years ago um, that you, Liz, were teaching school and involved in CCI committees. That's good to know. Thank you. Okay. Now. So about the consequences. Oh, let me ask you this. 
what are what is the potential if the cci men are being told by the bishop do not report this to childline and they did it anyways what are the potential consequences of an act like that i feel probably shunning would they lose their position on the cci is no. that a possibility i don't think so no but they would be shunned so how could they continue to hold that position if they're not supposed to be talking to people unless they're not shunned um i imagine probably when they rejoin the church they could keep that position which is usually hot so, so they would they would be unable to function as a member of the cci while they're shunned but when they get taken back up because yeah. Yeah. I'm naughty what you just said. <laughs> oh, in our church. <laughs> I'm not that Dutchified. <laughs> I can tell you. Okay, so <laughs> when <laughs> it's it's the little thing. So, um, you know, when they when they get taken back up in front of the church, like, so first off, after you're shunned, for those mm -hmm. who are unaware, then um, in many churches, they're required to do a kneeling confession in front of, like, for us, it was in front of the men in view of the kitchen. So, like, you could, the, the men and women that were all baptized church members, they could all see um, this happen. And you would get on your knee and assume the knees and assume the position, and and you would say "Can be Kennedy field top got nick me gedudo halden spreha besa sort draws no shit bistu hair." There you go. That's it. Oh, we had that was standard in our church. Okay. Um. Yes. Yes. So, anyway, so like. I know that it can vary for different yeah. churches on like their practices and how they do it, but like that was the standard in my church. Okay. I so, know like, that there's usually a specific phrase that they need to say, but I've I've never heard it. Like I was never involved in cases like that. Oh well. I've never said that I was a good Amish person, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm I'm one of those that was in front of the church on my knees. I never had to do that. Well, I just wasn't good enough. I mean, <laughs> really, I mean, I just did some things, okay? Well, I'm sure if I would have been in your community, I would have had the two, but yeah, my church, the church that I was with wasn't that strict, or they just kind of let stuff slide a little more. People just didn't find out and didn't tattle or, yeah. Oh, oh no, there was tattling. CCIs need to come after the law is involved. We need direct law enforcement direct involvement directly to the women, teens, and kids. The bishop would be silenced or excommunicated if he calls child line Liz. Is that what I hear? I don't think that's exactly what we said. I think no. we said that the CCI chairman, so so you have like the CCIs and the ministry, right? Mm 
And yeah. originally the CCIs were just over here and they were doing their thing without, without, say that again. Yeah, they were like doing their own thing. It was, they started right. up and they had the passion of being there for the victims, making sure they received justice. Mm-hmm. And then it changed somehow along the way to where now the bishop has oversight. So now it's more like an umbrella of like the CCI mm -hmm. is here and the bishop is over here, like up mm -hmm. here, like taking charge of whether or not the CCI um, can report to Childline. Yeah. And that's for this specific committee. Like, I'm not saying they're all like that. I'm saying be aware of this, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I only know information about that specific CCI committee. I don't know any of like the Mennonites or other right. communities of the Amish. So then I asked the question of Liz, like what would potentially happen to that CCI chairman if he reported the abuse against the bishop's directions? Yeah. I feel like he would be shunned or something. I I feel like that feeling is valid. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like, you know, anybody that holds a position like that should be a mandated reporter. Yes. Because like you 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 just like one, like we all know that crimes especially sexual violence against children is like completely underreported. We know yeah. that. We know why it's underreported, too. Because look at what happens. If you just look at what happens to the people that do report. There are people that literally look at that and say, this is why I will never report. Yeah. And, and two, like, if children are actively being abused, that should be reported. Like, if you suspect yeah. that that is happening, that should be supported. Yes. Like that should be reported. That should not just be a, the bishop decided we're not going to do that today. No. So technically like teachers are supposed to report that to the CCI and then they are supposed to go to the law with it. But I guess with the bishops and stuff involved, it's not, it's not happening that way. If lay members have to repent on their knees in front of the congregation to be taken back into the congregations, do bishops ever repent on their knees? I've never heard of a Mennonite bishop who is defrocked be taken back into the fold, back into the minister's bench. I've never heard of that either. I mean, I'm not too familiar with Mennonite proceedings mm -hmm. as far as like church rules so I won't pretend that I am and I won't try to speak for them. I do know that there's cases where and rare cases where Amish bishops have been silenced for a period of time and then they had to confess and yeah. If they're deciding, if the CCIs are deciding, well, I just feel like there's, there's a lot of, 
I don't know. What do you think? There are definitely a lot of cases that do not go reported. Why? Let's just say they don't know how. Like when I did these classes, they, so basically like they told you, if you're suspicious of something, you need to tell the CCI, but that's the only thing they said. They never went went into depth with, you know, further explanation. Like I would have loved to have a further explanation about like how far, I'm trying to think how it's going to say this. Like how long you wait until you actually say something or how long you just kind of wait and see or if you're suspicious about it until you report it. Because I do know that there have been teachers that did go to a CCI member that was just a bunch of really, really nothing. Uh-huh. So I feel like a lot of teachers don't specifically know so exactly what to exactly what to suspect or how to report it. I guess is how I want to say that. Well. So would it be possible, and and this is just me thinking out loud, because, you know, we made these wonderful booklets that are called How to Report. Oh, yeah. Like, would it be possible to, like, somehow distribute those to, like, the teachers in that community, do you think? Because, like Sasha is saying, because Sasha is still commenting, right? She said... The CCI is not childline. That is correct. Almost all religious communities have a panel or committee that addresses child abuse. All must report to childline. The other thing is, is that teachers are also mandated reporters. Yes, because they sign that paper. Oh, no, not even without Um, signing that paper. Without signing, yeah. Without signing that paper, as a rule, teachers are mandated reporters because they are in a position of trust with children. Yes. So it doesn't matter if they sign that paper or not. It doesn't matter if they get that training or not. They're still considered mandated reporters. Yeah. So if they're reporting it to people who then yeah the confirmation of you don't have to sign anything yeah so if they're reporting it to people who are saying well we're not ministry so we're not mandated reporters but there's still um yeah Whew. how you feel about that i don't know I just feel as long as these bishops are involved, we're not getting much further. So let's let's kind of switch gears a little bit yeah. because we, you know, there's no point in beating a dead horse. We've said what we had to say. We've talked about what we had to talk about, right? Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about the whole, um, you know, why would we talk about this publicly? Like, why wouldn't we go to, like, would you go to the chairman of the CCI? Like, why why talk about this publicly? I think the reason I would go to the chairman of CCI is 
um, I guess just wondering in what way I could help him or ask him what kind of resources he wants or just, yeah, to offer a little more resources to him. Other than that, I wouldn't like go in there and just try and take over or just be like, look, you know, if you're not legally trained for this, you know, then you shouldn't be doing this because he did set it up with Harrisburg or like right court or whatever. Yeah. But if he doesn't have the information that he needs to understand things, like you would be a fan of like giving him information to help him understand these things. Right. Yeah. However, like why talk about it publicly then? Why um, would we so many people aren't aware of that there's actually a committee like that in the Amish culture. Everybody is just like, why isn't this stuff getting reported? You know, why are all these children being sexually abused and nothing's happening? These men aren't getting arrested, these or these perpetrators or whatever. And that's partly the reason why is because they lack the resources, plus they're not reporting it. Well, then they don't necessarily, and I'm not saying this, like people can have good intentions, right? Yeah. Um, but if they have a lack of access to actual appropriate information or even understanding of the appropriate information, that can lead to things being covered up. Yes. So... Yes, Liz, you are absolutely correct about people not knowing about the CCI. Yes. Yeah. And and so to me, I feel like it's important, me personally, I feel like it's important to talk about it publicly to raise awareness so that people who are like, I know that there's DV advocates yeah. that listen to some of the stuff I do. Yeah. I know that there's mental health providers who listen to some of the stuff I do. I know that there's teachers that listen. I know that there's a variety of different community stakeholders who listen to the stuff that I do. Yeah. And I want them to be aware of it, but also to understand that, you know, we're we're not saying that every Amish person is bad or that every Mennonite person is bad. That is not at all what we are saying. What we're saying is when you have people who have a lack of access to appropriate information, even if they have good intentions, those intentions can fall short of like even meeting the, the the legal requirements of the positions that they hold. Yeah. And I feel it's even important discussing this just so other people are aware that there are actually Amish men that do care. There are Amish men that do want to report this stuff. They want to make a difference. Right. Because not all Amish men are bad. Nobody's, nobody's no. saying that. Nobody say that, not saying that by any means whatsoever. Like I know, personally know some amazing Amish men. Mm -hmm. And no, just because there's a lot of them that are pedophiles doesn't mean all of them are. And just because right. we talk about this, um, yeah, doesn't mean that the culture is bad in itself. It's just normal people making mistakes, normal people that I guess aren't educated because they're so far separated from the world. There are so many that care 
and those ones are getting bullied by the guilty. That's Oof. correct. Oof. <laughs> but, you know, like, I just want to say again, and at the risk of feeling like a repetitive, broken, like, okay, like, broken mm -hmm. record, you know, Amish people are just people. Stop yeah. romanticizing them. Stop yeah. worshiping them. Stop it. Mm -hmm. Until you stop romanticizing them and until you stop worshiping them, until you stop looking at them as a little bit holier than the rest of us, at the end of the day, you cannot begin to ask the right questions until you stop doing that. Because yeah. until you do, you have such a romanticized view. You have the rose-colored glasses on. It's the equivalent of, like, I don't know if you've ever heard the song of, like, beer goggles, right? It's the equivalent of that. Like, you're just like, oh, my God, they're so beautiful. They're so... Mm -hmm. And so because of that, you fail to see any of the things that some of the people like us want to talk about because yeah. we need to be able to build momentum together so that we can get them the appropriate information. Yes. Because when people know better, they do better. Yes. And I will say there are some really good parts about the Amish, but they're normal humans. They're not a perfect culture. And that is what I usually wish that people would stop doing is just like, oh, but they're so perfect. And I'm like, no, they're just normal humans living life. Yeah. Like, I think Maya Angelou is the one who said that about do the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better, do better. Yes. Um, but yeah, they're just normal people who like, they're people like the rest of society. Some of them like are wonderful, amazing people, just like the, you know, the culture itself, you know, when you, when you escape from there, like, you know, I've had this question before, and this is completely off topic, but it's like, how do you embrace your, your Amish heritage? And it's like, I feel like that's a very personal thing for everybody. Yes. And it's okay for it to be different and very differently. Yes. Like it, it's okay. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Also, not all Amish men are bad. Thank you, Liz. That's You're right. Welcome. Yeah. And one of the, I missed a few comments. I'm sorry to all of you. One of the committees I know about, I know the most about law enforcement have worked and worked and worked with them to try to educate them. However, many of the same issues crop up over and over and over. Well, see, and here's my question is like, do they, does law enforcement understand like how to explain it? Cause like, you know, would you agree with me when you say that sometimes like, we can be saying one thing in English, but to an English person, it would mean things that are completely different than for like a native PA Dutch speaker. Yes. And, and I'm not excusing it by any means. I'm just saying like, that's, I think the language barrier is more significant than people realize. It definitely is. Okay. Do young female teachers know what significant signs to cause them to question is if abuse is happening? Say a fourth grade boy is peeping in the girl's restroom. Does a teacher call a report in? What if a fourth grader carries a three-year-old into the restroom against his will? Is this a phone call to child services? 
when is it the level to call? Did you? It's on you. Did you know? I did not know. No. And that is, these are some of the questions that I wish they would answer because then the teachers would understand what to look for, like exactly what to look for. Like there is information in those CCI papers about what to look for, but it's just like the basic stuff. It's not, it doesn't go into depth. Like, it, like I feel it should. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's really interesting. Law enforcement doesn't have any idea. I am talking from personal experience. I can believe that. I can believe that too. That's why I'm pushing for education. Good point about the language barrier. I'm going to talk to law enforcement about that. Yeah, because I feel like, okay, so when you consider everything that we have learned, right? So I've been to three different Amish abuse awareness meetings. Okay. And at the very last one, I carried a box of 200, how to re 250, how mm -hmm. to report booklets to the front of the room and put them on a table. And at the end of the day, and this is with permission of the Amish men in charge of the meeting. Okay. After they reviewed it, I carried it up there, put it up there. And at the end of the day, most of that box was gone. Wow. But why is that? And I feel like it's partially because of the way that it was written and the way that it came out is it came out better because of all the plain people and all the Amish people and all the ex-Amish people and all the ex-plain people. And then the, the other people like the DV advocates, like all those people had to come together. Like about 20 people worked on those booklets, right? Okay. And so when they all came together and then wrote it so carefully to make sure that it's understandable to native PA Dutch speakers, I think that's where the big disconnect is. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. And I feel like law enforcement doesn't always necessarily know how to educate them because they come from such a huge difference of cultures and beliefs and just in general. Right. It's a whole, it's like you live in a different country inside of America with a little knowledge of the exterior world. Yeah, definitely. Certified independent translators. Yes, that is what we need. That is what we need. Yes. And then, um, in addition, we had a, a special ed teacher. Yeah, we had a sped teacher, a minister, and others helping. Yeah, like, there's so many people. I can't even begin to describe it. If you're curious about it, go find the document that talks about the people that contributed. Because some of them were okay with publicly being affiliated with it, and others were not. Either way, it was fine. I'm grateful for their contributions to make that happen. Because y'all made it happen. Yeah, and those resources need to be available. Yep. Some preachers said bedwetting is a sign of, of sexual assault. It can be, but bedwetting all alone is not a reason to call child services. There no. need to be, no, right. 
and it, and that is true. Thank it you. It can for that. be a sign. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. So, anyways, got anything else you want to talk about now? Hmm. Can't you more busy, Brady? Huh? He can't fly. Now I understood that. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, so funny. I have some cousins that are like much plainer than what I grew up with and if we would be together for like Christmas dinners or whatever they'd be talking they were way more Dutchified than I am or like me and my siblings we use a lot of English words in our language uh-huh really <laughs> after those gatherings i'd be like to my mom what does this word mean and what does that word mean <laughs> and i have no idea what they're talking about <laughs> no it's called the I, I made a whole little tiktok about this it's called the you know the 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 lower Amish communities. They kind of mm -hmm. look down on some of the more liberal Amish communities. Okay, like there's a hierarchy between the different communities, y'all. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like, it's like this thing, right? They're like, "Well, sis in it, real date," and they'd be like, "The the the really liberal Amish communities." Well, they're not really Amish now. Okay? Yeah. And then I believe there's also a thing that the liberal communities would say about the I've heard that. Yeah. So it's also really beautiful to see people from the wide variety of Amish denominations come together yes. and, and work together to raise awareness because we hear good things about Amish people all day long, but yes. we do have to talk about these things in order for them to be addressed because you can't address things that haven't been established as a problem. Mm -hmm. And I really think the, the language barrier is much more significant than people realize. Yeah, it definitely is. What do and you think? Go ahead. Go ahead. So another thing that I wanted to touch on yet yeah, is um, how, how would I ask that question? What would you recommend people to do if an Amish victim comes to them, speaks about what happened to them? What would you tell them how to handle this situation? Is it a child or an adult? Both. It could be both. Okay, number one, children and adults is a little different yes. for some people in some states, okay? So they should definitely find out what the law is in regards to reporting. But typically, if a child is being abused, that should be reported to Childline in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, it should, should be reported to the appropriate civil authorities in whatever state you're in. Mm -hmm. If a child is is being abused and needs access to resources, then like at that point, that should be reported. Yeah. There should be an investigation and not an investigation done by the CCI or the ministry. Mm -hmm. It should be an investigation done 
by investigators that have actually went to school to be investigators who are trained. And the other thing that people need to know is that Childline is anonymous. You can report anonymously and they will never know who reported. Yeah. And that's uh, what I feel people should do if an Amish lady or child comes up to them. Mm -hmm. Because they don't have all the resources that we do. We have access to the internet. We can Google whatever we want. Right. But they can't. And they don't have access to resources. They don't know that there's people out there that have experiences that have went on to like, you know, find different ways to navigate mm -hmm. their life. They don't know that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. And another thing I want to say is if an Amish woman or child does open up to you, that means it took a lot of courage for them to tell you. That means they are desperate for justice. They want to feel safe. And the other thing is, is they trust you. Yes. If they open up to you, number one, believe them. Yes. Believe them. And yeah. for the love of everything that is holy and good in the world, do not respond to them with, but he's such a good Amish person. Or mm -hmm. Amish people are such good people. They would never do something like that. That hurts if somebody says that. It really does. And I don't care who it is, if they are disclosing to you and they're an Amish or plain survivor and you respond with something like that, you need to take yourself right on out of that person's life because that yep. person deserves better in their life than that. Yes. And not just that. It's, you're like manipulating them. You're forcing them to shut down. They're losing their trust in people because they're like, oh, well, all of a sudden, I'm supposed to think that this is a good person. Who can I trust? Who can I tell about this? Of course, they're going to shut down. It's also a little bit gaslighty. I can almost feel it. Yep, definitely. Like, I just, I, I just, if you're doing that, you're, I'm, I'm sorry, not sorry. You're a terrible person. Yes. Don't do that to people. No. Do not do that to people. I don't care. Like, if it's anybody, like, mm -hmm. and you respond with that, do not respond to people that disclose to you. It happens in the English community, too. It happens yes. inside of other religious groups, too. And I know that for a fact because I've had, I've, I've literally spoken with survivors from so many different religious groups. And I have heard this thing over and over and over again of, like, not being believed. Y'all need to understand that statistically speaking... If you look at the research of the um, sexual assault cases that get reported, there's mm -hmm. literally between three and seven percent of them that are false. So if that means that there is a 93 to a 97 percent chance that that person mm -hmm. is telling you the truth, it is your job to believe them. And yeah. if they were in fact lying to you and that comes out later that there was a lying to you, which I don't believe that's very likely. But yeah. if it were to happen, that is not on you. That is on them. They chose to lie. Yeah. And that is their life that they're choosing to lie about. But yeah. you don't get to decide that that person that they're disclosing that harmed them, that traumatized them is a good guy. 
Oh, he's a good pastor. Oh, he's a good minister. Mm -hmm. No, he isn't. No. No. Just because someone has a higher position like that doesn't mean they're a good person. This is true. Victims tend to think they're alone and think it is their fault. This yeah. is true. This is true. This because is it takes a lot of courage to speak about it. You feel ashamed. You feel disgusting. You feel embarrassed. You feel a lot of things. You don't understand yourself. You don't understand what's happening. Yeah. This is, I will vouch for that being truth. Mm -hmm. Especially when you don't have the language around it. Like, how do you even begin to report it? Yeah. Yep. Three to seven out of 100 reports are false. You don't get to decide if it's true or false. This is true. Yep. And the other thing is, is that, again, like the majority of people are not lying about it. No. So when somebody trusts you enough to disclose, you need to provide support. Mm -hmm. And if you can't provide support, Please, please, for the love of everything, reach out to people who can provide support. Even if you find them the, the, the line for the National Sexual Assault Hotline, something. Yes. And you don't need to. You don't need to find specialized resources for people just because of their religious beliefs. Mm. Go find your local domestic violence center. Go find your local crisis center. Yeah. Go find your local DV advocates. And if they won't help you, please reach out to somebody who can help you. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I'd bend never backwards to help somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The rate of false reports for adult sex assaults is similar to the rate of false reports about other crimes. There is not an epidemic of false reports about sex abuse or assaults. This is true. Mm -hmm. Whew. That's a lot of stuff we talked about, Liz. <laughs> Same here, Liz. Yeah. I know there's a lot of people out there that would be willing to help, that would bend over backwards. Right. Like, I've helped people. Mm -hmm. And again, like, you know, typically I refer people to resources in their area that can, they might be able to benefit from. Yes. Like, at the end of the day, you know, it's it takes a lot of guts to reach out and ask for support. It does. Do you have... Anything else you want to discuss? I don't know. I'm just sitting here trying not to yawn. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't caught up on sleep from my trip and everything. Oh, that's <gasps> right. That's right. So is it time to like make your parting statement? Maybe it is. I still got to drive home. Oh, yeah, I think it might be time. You got any parting thoughts for people? 
Um, let's just say if you ever have any questions, feel free to reach out. I'll answer them the best I can. I don't know everything, and I will admit that, but I will definitely help out the best I can. Thank you. You're welcome. And I'd like to, um, you know, give a shout out again to all the people that have sat here and supported all of these things. Um, I really appreciate your support. It means a lot. People like Liz who've come and spoken openly about different things, about the culture to help people understand what some of the gross issues are that we can work on, that we can help. Um, we're not working to try to make Amish not be Amish. I think no. it's important for me to address that. Like Amish people have a right to be Amish. They have every right to be Amish, but we can absolutely provide support and resources and information for them that is in line with all of the information that we have access to today. Yes. And I'm grateful for all of you. And I'm so lucky to be here with all of you and especially Liz, because thank you, Liz. Like this You're is welcome. important to have the conversation about Amish schools, school teachers, CCIs, how the ministry, like how all of that happened and how it kind of like changed in your community. Yeah. That's really, really important. Yeah. And how we as outside of the Amish culture can help these victims. Right. right. We can help. Yes. And give them appropriate information. Yeah, definitely. And I'd like to remind everybody, guess what? Y'all are worthy. Y'all are worthy yeah. of a healthy, happy, and whole life. You deserve to live your lives in the way that makes sense to you. And I can't wait to see y'all until next time.